Jim Rowan. I get to serve as the missions pastor here at Central Baptist Church. I'm also the business administrator. And I do dishes. Um, today we're going to start out, uh, Adam and Susie Hale are here from Kenya. And they're going to speak to us, but first we're going to look at a short little video that they put together showing their ministry and their mission. You got it, Andrew? The gospel of Jesus Christ has been proclaimed in sub-Saharan Africa since the 15th century. And the International Mission Board has served here for almost 200 years. So why are IMB missionaries still here? Because we want to see African churches sending African missionaries to the ends of the earth. Across the continent, there are millions who have never heard the name of Christ or the good news that he brings. There are multitudes that have been deceived by false stories and gospels that promise prosperity without eternal hope. And while there are those waiting and hopeless, there's also a massive force of African Christians who are ready and willing to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. That means every person who puts their hand to the plow in sub-Saharan Africa is uniquely positioned to engage in the missionary task and serve alongside African churches as we make disciples of all nations for God's glory. Our specific roles may look different, but our mission unifies our efforts. If we're serving among an unreached people group in a village that's never heard the gospel before, we faithfully evangelize while building gospel DNA that results in the village sharing the gospel with others. If we're teaching theological education classes, a crucial component of the curriculum is equipping students to plant churches cross-culturally anywhere and everywhere. Whether it's humanitarian projects, medical services, business startups, discipleship classes, or simply chatting under the acacia tree in the bright African sun, our focus is one. African churches sending African missionaries to the ends of the earth. Come, walk alongside experienced missionaries and African partners as we join forces in the Great Commission. Come, take your place as God transforms the harvest field into the harvest force for His glory. Good morning. And that is what we want to share with you this morning of how God is at work around the world. He is doing great things. And, and one of the things we love is African churches beginning to send African missionaries to the ends of the earth. The southern hemisphere of the world has the largest amount of believers now than anywhere else. And by 2050, is believed that Africa itself will have more believers than anywhere else in the world. And we're at a strategic point in time where we all together can work with them to help equip them and prepare them to be able to lead in the future for what God wants to do around the world. And so my name is Adam. This is my wife, Susie, and she'll introduce our family to you. So some of you may know um, Central is special to me. It was here that I made a proclamation that Jesus Christ was my Lord and Savior and followed in baptism under Alan Fran's leadership. 
I'm thankful for that opportunity and for the partnership that's continued as the Lord then led us to the call to foreign missions. And we followed in that call. And we've been back. This is our third time to come and and share with Central. So thank you for this opportunity. We want to share a little bit about our family. We're thankful that three of our children and a son-in-law are here with us today. When we left for the mission field, our girls were 12, 11, and 7. Now they're 22, 20, 16, and we have a 7-year-old. River was born to us seven years ago in South Africa. He'll be a second grader this coming year. Bailey will be a junior in high school. Emma is going to graduate from the University of Mary Harden Baylor in December. And Phoebe graduated from Texas A&M. Got some Aggies. And she got married in June. So four weeks, she and her husband are here with us today, as, long, as well as my sisters and my niece and my, my niece-in-law. We're thankful for the family that we have here together with us today. And as we mentioned, Phoebe and Josh are married. So thankful for our family, thankful for our pra- your prayers for our family as they've grown up so quickly. And so over the past 10 years, we have been serving with the International Mission Board with the IMB, which you guys help support. Thank you for that. And we are your missionaries. We're an extension of what God is doing here as we serve there. And we've served in Madagascar for the past nine and a half years. And then last year, God asked us to take on a new role uh, to be first-term training catalyst, a big mouthful of a job that probably means nothing to anybody here. But what it means is, is that anybody that comes out, so if you desire to come serve as a missionary in Sub-Saharan Africa, we would be one of the first places that you see, and we would begin helping you know how to be a missionary in Sub-Saharan Africa. It would help you with language, we'd help you with culture, we'd help you how to do your job, and then how to really abide in Christ as well, how to know those things. And then the second title that we carry around is Nairobi City Team Leaders. Now remember, we were in Madagascar working in very rural bush areas, um, and now we live in a city of over 5 million people, where they say there's 10 million people there every day, and so we are adjusting to a whole new world, but God is still good. And so today we want to share with you how we are working and walking through those things. We like to say that just as soon as you feel comfortable in the place where you're at, the Lord's going to move you. We got confident in language. We were familiar with the area that we lived. We had made so many friends and we were seeing the Lord at work. We weren't ready to leave Madagascar. But when the, call, when the Lord calls, you follow. And so that's what we did. And so as Adam said, we're going to share with you our desire to see Africans leading African churches and missionaries to the ends of the earth. We're going to do that starting with 2 Timothy 2.2. This is the idea that says, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus and what you have heard from me and the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. It's the idea of reproducing. We should all be mentored by someone and also be mentoring someone so that we can equip and empower them to be able to go and share the gospel, to see it advance among the nations. And so we're going to teach you the missionary task, and then we're going to show you what it is, and then we're going to walk through the missionary task, what it looked like in Madagascar, and what it now looks like in Nairobi. So the missionary task is simple components. First of all is entry. How do you enter well into the fields where you're going to go? And then evangelism. How are you going to evangelize to the place where God has placed you to serve? What's the best tool to use? Then you're going to have discipleship. How do you make biblical, true disciples that can go and make disciples of others as well, as 2 Timothy 2.2 is saying there. And then we're going to have healthy church formation. We want disciples 
that become churches. Uh, and then we want those churches to be healthy, and we need healthy leaders. So we're going to have leadership development and leaders that can walk with us and be able to lead in a way that reflects the truth of God's word. And then ultimately, we all as missionaries as our exit to partnership so that our job isn't leading out from the front, but helping from the back as we help our leaders and others continue on the work of what God is doing. And so you're going to see that through Madagascar. We're going to start there. So this is a picture where we lived in Madagascar, and I went really fast and got way ahead of him. So sorry about that. So we're going to keep going to the next slide. We're entry, evangelism, discipleship. Next slide. And then baptism after that. And then the healthy church. One more. And now we've got two more slides, and we'll be where we need to be. Sorry about that. And then living in Africa is one of how you do that. And next slide, we're going to talk through Colossians 3.23, that whatever we do, we work at it as unto the Lord and not as unto men. And that's one of the keys of how we want to move forward. We want you to know that as we've seen God move, it's for his glory. It's for his namesake. We're not really good at what we do, but God is good. And he's taken simple vessels like us, and he's done amazing things. And we want to share with you how that is. So the next picture will be Madagascar. <laughs> and that's uh, where we lived. And uh, we lived on the far southern tip of Madagascar. So the next landmass south of us was Antarctica. So we literally could say we were serving at the ends of the earth. And, uh, and so we saw God at work there at the ends of the earth. And we worked through the missionary task. And so you'll see the next slide of entry. So you wouldn't think much of a tortoise as you think entry, right? Well, whenever there's taboos about this tortoise, the people group we work with do not eat turtles. It's forbidden to eat turtles. So if you eat turtles, you're in trouble. If you touch it, you're not supposed to. And all these things. And if you don't know how to treat this tortoise, you can lose all witness of what you want to share Jesus and how you need to share Jesus with those people. Go to the next slide, and you'll see evangelism. Evangelism is exciting because not only are we evangelized, but we're training others, like our brother right there, Christophe, right here in this picture. He is trained and going with us, and now he's leading out on his own. This is an area where there were no churches, and there's five churches there. We worked for six years with little to no results, and over the past three years, God has planted six churches, thanks to guys like Christophe right there. So the missionary task doesn't change, but the tools within it can vary depending upon the language and the culture. Our desire in Madagascar was to share stories. And so as we evangelized and as we discipled, we would share Bible stories. And so we have evangelism and discipleship taking place here, storying, and then that in turn would become church planting. So here we're acting out the stories and just reproducing again, sharing these stories with those who would take it and share with others also. And then the next slide is going to see of baptism. So as churches form, baptism is such an important part. And I know that your announcements are coming. Baptism will be, there's a class coming. It's such an important step in the life of believers of knowing what's going to come. And not only is it here in this church, it's a new church plant and their first baptisms, but the next picture becomes a major deal in our local churches. And a lot of areas, they would gather together in Easter and Christmas and some of the other big holidays and have large baptism service out in the ocean. Now, most of us in Madagascar and in Kenya, we don't have fancy baptistries. And so we would walk 5, 10, 15 miles to get baptized. So praise God for the nice 
abilities that we have here to not have to go far, but to just be able to still follow the same God with the same power that lives inside of us. And that's really amazing. The next slide, you're going to see leadership development. And we, this is a fancy restaurant in the bush of Madagascar. So if you want to come join us, that's what it looks like. If you ever wondered, they're super happy that we're there. Um, and it was going to cost about a dollar to eat per plate there. And so, but you see there that we're working with men, helping them be able to grow into leaders. And the next slide, you'll also see that there are conventions that we're working to help them be mobilized. They are wanting to send their own missionaries from Madagascar to other parts of the earth. And they're trying to figure out how do they do that. And then the next slide is, a, is just a story of how God ultimately redeems and changes hearts. And it's one of the privileges that I've seen of God taking a heart that was serving and worshiping ancestors, had no desire to follow Jesus, and then being so broken that they wanted the world to know who God is in them. And it's a picture of a marriage. Now, most women in Africa, and especially Madagascar, would never hear the words, I love you, from a man. Ever in their lifetime, from their father, grandfather, husband, brother, it just wouldn't happen. And these men, as they got saved and they became fallen Christ, and they would say, we have done all the traditional things. We've exchanged the cows and the goats, but we've never let our wife know that we love her. We did the things that were required, but she doesn't know she's loved. And they begin saying, we want to have a marriage that is in the church. Even though we're fully married according to the, the eyes of man, we want our wives to know that they are loved because God loves the church. And so they would have a wedding ceremony. They would go to the government and finalize what needs to be done correctly with the government, have a wedding ceremony in the church. And for the first time in a woman's life, in presence of people from all around, they would say, I love you. And it's one of the most beautiful things because I think that's exactly what God does to us. He takes a broken heart and he fills it with peace and joy and love and hope. And we've seen God transform people in that way. And so we're going to continue to talk through that. So many blessings to see the way that the Lord is moving around Africa and even around the world. But the question remains, why? You know, there's, it's great to hear these stories of how the Lord is moving, but there are hard days. And so the question is, why? Why are we doing it? In 1 Corinthians 4, verses 1 and 2, it says, This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. That's our heart's desire. That's our desire for you. That's our desires for the disciples that we're making in other parts around the world, that we be found faithful. How are we being found faithful in Nairobi? And so Nairobi, as we said, it's a complete different world. The pictures will look completely different to you. Now, Nairobi is in the shape of a rockfish. For all my fishermen and fisher ladies out there, anytime you go fishing, you can begin praying for Nairobi. If you see a fish, just say, I'm going to pray for Nairobi. So we want you to have that vision as you leave today. And then Susie's going to share a little bit what entry looks like in Nairobi. Again, the missionary task remains, but entry in Nairobi looks different than entry in Madagascar did. It's urban. We're going into the streets. We have hundreds of thousands, million people, but in the next slide you'll see we're still going we have masks now but we're still going the tools may be different but the task remains and the next slide you'll see trainings taking place and so not only do we train there are churches there the church we attend in nairobi has over 1200 members it's a strong church but they're still needing training and equipping one of the things that we loved and, and we challenged them from what we saw in madagascar was a hundred percent of all believers could share the gospel of jesus christ there wasn't a single person in the church that wouldn't know how to share Jesus with somebody. And so the church in Nairobi said, we don't have that. 
that. They said maybe 5% of our church could share Jesus if somebody walked in today. And so we're helping them equip and train their members to be able to know how to share Jesus in a contextual way there in Nairobi. And not only are we just doing it with the leaders, we're doing it with our son. You can see River there learning how to share the gospel as well. Next slide. That leads us more into discipleship. We teach evangelism strategies, discipleship, and this is my friend Faith. She and I just decided to teach Sunday school at the same time. Went through a little training, and then she invited me over. Discipleship, living life alongside one another, challenging one another, encouraging one another. And then in the next slide, you'll see Mary. Mary's one of the first converts. It's not a very clear picture, but that's baptism. She was an alcoholic turned her life around, followed in baptism, and it was her heart's desire to go within days of her conversion to share with her friends so that they could know the hope that she had found in Christ. And because she was an alcoholic, I went to a bar, and I've been hugged by more drunks in Africa than Christians <laughs> since COVID hit. And uh, so I just want you guys to know that. So you go with people, you're going to find lost people, but they're friendly. And so it was, very, it was a really cool day to see her profess and then work with them. Mm-hmm. And then we also work with the leadership. And so you see here we have um, IMB unit that works in Rwanda, but then we also have the pastor of the church. And we begin developing friendships. And not only are we training our people from the United States that come, we're working with Africans. And one of the things we love about our job, we're working with people from the rest of the world. We have missionaries coming from all over the world, from South Korea, from other parts of Asia, and even from Cuba now is sending their own missionaries, which is an amazing thing that we get to see them and help them be trained up and equipped and part of a team. And then we get to work with the national conventions. The next picture will show that. And we get to help them out. And then here are some people that live on our compound. We're in missionary housing now in Nairobi, and we served some Malagasy meals to these friends of ours, and then they served us some Kenyan meals. So you can see what Kenyan food looks like right there. It's not mashed potatoes. That's ugali, and it's delicious. So we love being able to own our geography, to be able to invest in those that live around us and challenge you also to invest in those around you. And then the next slide you'll see urban again. We're a little bit in culture shock. We're having to learn again language and culture as we move from one country to another. But this shows urban. This is one of the malls, one of the many malls that you'll find in Nairobi. And in the next slide, just a comparison. You can still get coffee on the corner for about 20 cents there in Nairobi. Or you can go to the more Western, modernized place on the right and get your $5 cappuccino. Um, So you have to know the tools. How are you going to share in both of those settings? And it's important for us to all be invested in each of those areas. The next slide, you'll see what part do we still play? We're called to be proclaiming the good news. Each one of us. We're called to be making disciples of all nations and making disciples who make disciples following that second Timothy two, two pattern. We're called to equip, empower and to release which is sometimes the most difficult part of the journey. But as we release them, we see them going out and being found faithful, just like we desire, just like the Lord desires of us. And it starts with prayer. And so one of the ways we want to ask you to begin praying with us is that on our table outside, we have this paper right here. It's called 55 and 5. These are 55 unreached and engaged people groups, which what that means is less than 3% of the people in here have the opportunity or know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And there's nobody sharing with them. And so we want to start praying. And so there's 55 groups that we hope to hit in the next five years. I have an alarm at 555 every morning to remember to pray for these 55. Now, I chose three out of here. I have the mango, 
simply because I like mangoes, okay? And I, and that's my reason. That's my whole spiritual reason for praying for the mango. But I remember to pray. Every time I see a mango, every time I eat a mango, I pray for the mango. And then I have the Antisaka and the Antifasi from Madagascar because we work very close to the areas where they're at. And we're praying that God sends Malagasy missionaries to those areas as well. But we had asked for you to grab this and begin praying for how you can see us and others see God begin to reach these people. And as you pray for one of those people groups, we'd ask in the next slide that you pray for us. We have new units arriving in Nairobi, new units arriving all over sub-Saharan Africa. We'd ask you to pray for our family. Our time in the States is, is short. This time it was three months. I think the hardest part is saying goodbye again because it never gets easier. Um, we leave in a week from Saturday on the 24th of July, as long as Nairobi stays open, which leads me to the next point, which is COVID. COVID has hit everywhere hard, and it's like there's cycles of it coming, and right now it's hitting hard again in Africa. So just pray. They don't have the same medical care that we have here. So just pray that the Lord would bring that to an end. And then I would challenge you, pray for yourself. How does the Lord want to use you? What is he asking of you? How are you to be found faithful? And as you're praying in that direction, realize that there's partnerships. You're already investing in us by giving so that we can go. But maybe the Lord is calling you to go. We have upcoming trainings. As we train new missionaries, we need help to, to train the children to come alongside us at these meetings and be a part of what's going on. How is the Lord calling you? And please be praying for those trainings as, as well. Hopefully they'll start back in person in 2022 as we've been virtual for a while now. And then thank you. And, and Pastor Jim's going to come up and I would tell him thank you. Thank you for the invitation to come back again. And thank you all for your prayers, your support. And, and most of all, thank you for being faithful. Mm-hmm. And Alan, thank you for sharing Jesus with my wife. I really appreciate that. Thanks, guys. Hi, I get like one time a year to come up here. <clears throat> I will not speak as fast as Adam did. I don't. I can't even hear that fast, let alone speak that fast. Um, my name is Jim Rowan. Again, I do get to serve as a missions pastor here. We have a missions team. Uh, I'm on it. We have uh, George Lee, Vicky Alessi, uh, Kimberly Sanchez, Mike Vanderhoff, and Caroline Harris, and we get together to help figure out what Central will be doing. If you didn't know, it's Central tithes into the mission field. So everything that you may give to the church, 10% of that is given to the to missions, and the missions team directs how we spend that. This year we've invested in 59 different ministries and missionaries throughout the world, including the International Mission Board that um, Adam and Susie are with. Uh, the IMB, or the Southern Baptist, had a convention last month, and and they ordained uh, 64 new missionaries to add to the 3,261 that are already in the field. The IMB is the Cadillac of mission organizations. The, the missionaries are not having to raise personal support or not having to raise project support. So many other missionaries that we deal with are, are constantly in a fundraising mode. But because of your generosity, the IMB missionaries get to focus on the ministry, on the mission, on what God has called them to do. And some people may be great trainers or great speakers. That doesn't necessarily make them good fundraisers. It's a whole, a whole different skill set. We've been investing this year in 28 different foreign countries. And uh, 
everywhere from Sierra Leone to India, uh, Romania, Guatemala, Honduras. Um, I keep going. We have someone in North Korea. I can't talk about that. We have someone in Oman. We have people we're supporting in closed countries where should they be found out that they're sharing the gospel, their, their life is at risk. Uh, it's serious stuff out there in the mission field. But we also invest here locally. We invest in the Agape Pregnancy Resource Center. We um, help support the Children at Heart Ministries and the Round Rock Area Serving Center. We partner with other churches in a lot that we do. We actually partner with St. William's Catholic Church and help support their Sacred Heart Community Clinic where people here locally can go seek medical attention when they have no other options. It's a pretty neat deal. It's been a bad year for COVID. We haven't done any foreign trips this year, but we're still staying busy and active. I owe um, IMB two more trips to India where we're teaching foundations. We're, we're helping raise up the next generation of church leaders through uh, oral, oral training, Bible storying, and allowing them to learn the Bible and learn how to develop sermons that they can better teach the people that they minister to. Um, <clears throat> we have new things happening all the time. This just made a partnership starting with uh, Legacy Church and Hutto Bible Church where with an organization called Wilderness Ridge where we're going to begin to try and outreach to uh, boys that don't have fathers in the home. We've... we've uh, just Tuesday night kicked off English language classes for the Burmese refugee community here in Austin. It's a people group called the Rohingya, and they are, they are an unreached people group. And we're taking a long-range goal. We want to, we're teaching the Christians from these Burmese uh, refugees English, so they better learn English, hoping that that will draw in other non-Christian Burmese refugees once we get them good at English, where they can speak it well, we're going to begin citizenship training so they can get through their citizenship classes and get an American passport instead of being a refugee. And then once they have an American passport, they can carry the gospel back to Burma. We're trying to equip the Burmese people that have been our refugees here in Austin to go back to their native country and teach their friends, their cousins, their families, their village about the life-saving goodness of Jesus Christ. It's a long-range goal. Hopefully it will come together. We've been working on a mission house. I did get permission from the city of Round Rock to occupy the mission house, uh, but they won't let me, they won't give me a certificate of occupancy until I redo the entire exterior, which I was not expecting. So we'll probably have an outreach here in the next few weeks. If you want to come help, uh, put some hardy plank on a building. There's so many people to thank for all the work that's been done on the Mission House. Uh, Boy Scout, Troop 408, Jackson Dork, Brandon Dork, Dork Design, Builder Gibson Supply. I mean, I had donations from Casa Plumbing and Cody Christensen, Greg Johnson, Team Flooring, Randy Owens, and W.K. Jennings Electric. And then a bunch of, just so many people worked. So long on that. Um, Doug Doty, Jeremy Zaherniak, Daryl McCalmont, Axel Letourneau, a lot of people, a lot of people. Eddie Ewald had put a lot of time in and help. So we'll be promoting a, a few projects here in the next month or two, clearing some land for the camping 
and they're working on this mission house. I'm headed to Mexico border, just to the border on Thursday to drop off another load of computers, musical equipment, um, things for the Vine and Branches ministry there in Piedra Negras, uh, just across the border from Eagle Pass. So we're trying to stay involved uh, despite the COVID, or as I usually say, the cocoa. And, and I say all this to let you know that irregardless of the situations, God wants us to continue, sorry, continue being active. God wants us to continue the work that he set before us. And it's not about the hurdles that have been placed in our way. It's about overcoming those hurdles to the glory of God. Currently in the world, we have about 7.8 billion people. It's a lot of people. About 1.8 billion of those people are Christians. And of all those people in the world, there's about 3 billion of them that are considered unreached. And Adam used that term earlier. Unreached doesn't mean that you've heard the gospel or had access to the gospel and decided not to be a believer, not to, not to join. Unreached means you have no access, and there's nobody there that can tell you about Jesus. And these are people that are living today and will die and will go to hell. They will be eternally separated from God. About 7,000 of the 1,700 people groups in, in the world are considered unreached. There are about 400,000 missionaries in the world, and use the definition, someone who has left their home to go somewhere else to share about Jesus is the definition of a missionary. About 400,000 out of 1.8 billion Christians. And many of them are serving in, in many places. Many of them are serving here domestically in the U.S. and throughout the world. But only about 3% of the missionaries, and that would be 11 or 12,000 people, are actually going to the places where there are unreached people. I read a deal David Platt wrote, and he said, all the easy places are gone. If you want to go share the gospel with people that have never heard it or never had access, there are no easy places left. But not everyone's called to do that. Actually, the 12,000 missionaries that are, reach, that are in places to, to touch the lives of unreached peoples and unreached peoples groups, of the 1.8 billion Christians, it's about 1 in 150 million. The odds of you as a Christian being called to go, go to one of these hard places are, are greater than your odds of winning the lottery. And I don't know how many people you know have won the lottery, but I don't know one. One in 150 million. That's a big number. That's a crazy number. But we always think that if I agree to follow God, to walk after Him, I'm going to wind up in Madagascar. And yet if you talk to Adam and Susie, they're going to tell you some of the best years of their life and their ministry were in Madagascar. That it wasn't a hard... It was a hard place, but the rewards exceeded the hardship. Does that sound about right? I've been in some strange places, people groups, the Bunga Bunga. Do you know the Bunga Bunga? From in uh, Goma, in the DR Congo. I've been to Misuru, 
um, Lesotho. I've been to many places in this world, and some of them are more difficult, but the rewards are greater than the hardship. It really is. Here at Central, we've had a couple of uh, sermon series in the last few months. Last one was about contentment. If you remember, the one before that was called All In. And I would submit to you that we will find contentment when we're all in with God. I teach a class upstairs. We're looking at the Old Testament through the eyes of the, of the Jewish scholars. And we're about, we're about to get to the part where we're moving very slow if you want to join us. We're still in Genesis. We'll be there a while. It's a small group, like six or eight people, so it's, it's not going to be hard to merge in. But we have, a, we have in Deuteronomy chapter 6, the Shema. Shema is actually a Hebrew letter. looks like that. Remember Dr. Spock? That's actually a, the Shema. Gene Roddenberry, who wrote all that, was a very good Jew. And the Shema is also a prayer. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God. The Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength. That was, that was so important that Jesus even said it in Matthew 22. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second one's like unto it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and all the prophets hang on these two things. Did you hear many times I said all in those couple verses? All. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Sometimes people get frustrated and say, what does God want from me? Just one thing. He wants it all. He wants you to submit all to Him. Yeah, but what if He sends me to Antarctica to preach to the penguins, you know? We always, we always think of this worst case scenario I my wife had shoulder surgery a couple months ago. And the anesthesiologist came in. It required general anesthesia. And he came in and he started talking about the... He had to deliver the side effects. He has to tell you. And, you, you know, he's just talking. And he's saying, you know, and all of a sudden I hear him say, Death! Well, he didn't say it loud like that, but that's what stuck out in my head. And the same deal. It's like one in a hundred million or something like that. But that's what I heard. Why do we as humans focus on that negative, on that worst case scenario, when a loving God wants to give us the best? A loving Father wants to hand us the best that He has. Jesus said that you might have life, and life to the fullest. And it is available to us when we're all in. When we're all in with God. You know, America's gone post-Christian. Europe was there 10, 20 years ago. We're there now. And everybody knows John 3.16. We've all heard it a million times, seen it. Signs at football games, soccer games, baseball games, hockey games. Everywhere you go, if it's on TV, somebody's holding up a John 3.16 sign. It says, For God so loved the world 
He sent His one and only Son that whoever would believe in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And that's a beautiful verse. It's all about love. But people don't hear that anymore in our post-Christian nation. People think of us as judgmental, as harsh, as condemning. So maybe it's time that we move beyond John 3.16 and go all the way down to John 3.17. John 3.17 says that um, for God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but through Him to save them. God wants to save the world through you, little Christian, little Christ. God wants you to not condemn the world. But He wants to save the world through you. And we're seen as judgmental and condemning. I mean, that, that's just the way it is. How do we love properly in a way that people can understand? And I wanted to use an example of uh, our ladies' quilting group. Peace and Comfort Quilters, they're called. A couple of weeks ago, Pastor Mark did a uh, hamburger lunch for him. And if you don't... Uh, if you've never had a Pastor Mark hamburger barbecue, you need to ask your small group leader or somebody to, to get Mark to do that for you. He's really good at it. He's really good at it. It's a wonderful time, and I'll probably have that statement haunt me before the week's out. Don't mean to assign him tasks, but um, we were having this lunch, and these ladies were speaking, and, and they brought up one of my favorite verses, is Ephesians 2.10. It says, for we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God has prepared something for you, you personally, to do. He prepared it beforehand before you were born. And I'll tell you, I believe you'll find contentment when you walk in that, that God's prepared for you. These ladies are do some work with the Agape Pregnancy Resource Center. And, and in our nation today, the, the plague of abortion is a terrible thing. And millions of babies have been killed. As a Christian, I believe that life begins at conception. But the world will tell us that that isn't life, that's a viable tissue mass. What these ladies do is they make these little layettes or receiving blankets. They make them by hand and they pray over them and they take them to the Agape Pregnancy Resource Center where every girl, every woman that comes in to receive an ultrasound is giving a receiving blanket. It's not judgmental. They're given a gift, but it affirms the life that is within them because they walk out with a picture of the ultrasound and a receiving blanket. These ladies are having an impact on the world without being judgmental. They are saving lives through a loving action. And I think God has that for each and every one of us if we'll go all in. I think if we'll put our yes on the table, God will put it on the map. He'll tell you where He wants you to go and what He wants you to do. But first, we have to submit. Let me pray.